welcome back to Kasama Hanto. Today on the podcast, I will be interviewing one of our community managers in charge of the engagement interactions here at Kasama Hanto. And with that further said, having to watch her grow from the beginning of the time that I met her from this year to now has been extremely wonderful. And I'm excited to have this ongoing conversation because there's just so much to learn about our own Filipino identity and culture. So without further said into, I will let the, our guests introduce themselves, their personal pronouns, their name, profession, and if you could describe yourself in any Filipino dish, cuisine, or, cuisine or dessert, what would you be and uh, hi Chachi. Hi everyone. My name is Charlene. Uh, my full name is Charlene Sugitan Tan. Um, I am mostly Filipino with some part Chinese. Um, I use she, her pronouns. I'm a second generation Filipina and um, my profession, I guess I can kind of say that I balance multiple hats. Um, I am a university student first and foremost, but I also work as a part-time direct support professional. So I work out in the community and in the homes of individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And I'm also a pharmacy technician student. So by the end of the month, I will be taking the, um, the certification exam in order to become a certified pharmacy technician. And within the next few weeks, I'll actually be interning at a community pharmacy. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Um, and a Filipino dish that would describe me, um, I would say that it would have to be lumpia because um, it's it really combines a lot of different ingredients in order for me to become the person I am, the individual I am. And also just for a little bit of historical context, the lumpia was actually um, originated from the Chinese um, spring roll that was brought over from the Chinese immigrants to the Philippines. And since I am part Chinese, that kind of fits in a little bit with what I would describe myself as. And it's also from the region of China in which my Chinese side of the family is from, which is Fujian. So a lot of history, a lot of history there. And it, I think that I couldn't find another food that would be better fitting for this Yeah, that's actually a really great point. And I just like thinking about the history of Lumpia. Lumpia did originate from the Chinese, especially when they're known as egg rolls. Um, and then it, and then it, or the influence that came to the Philippines and now, and coming, tying it all back to you as being Filipino and Chinese. That's a wonderful way of like describing your entire personality yes yes and we have to have it at every at every family gathering we have to have lumpia and so it kind of resembles a way it kind of resembles me bringing both the Chinese and Filipino sides together like you know just for me existing and doing what I do best so asking that yes and and I'm actually really curious um because the really beginning point of when I first asked you to do this interview, I asked you, what do you want to know more about our culture? And actually, if there anything that has changed or still things that you wish you want to know more um, before we dive in into your narrative. Okay, well, I feel like 
throughout the past year and a half that I've known you, um, you actually asked me to do this interview a year ago, just for context. And we, I attempted to do the interview, but I think I was kind of still on the stage of trying to find my identity where I really didn't know what I was, like why it was so important. And so when it came to answering these sorts of questions, I stumbled a lot. And when it came to what I wanted to know about my culture, what did I want to know about my culture? Like I thought I knew quite a bit, like um, just because my family grew up speaking language and I was raised around the language, even though I didn't personally speak it myself. um, I knew that there was the whole, uh, like I'm a second generation. So a lot of things that my family has brought with them, kind like it, just the whole multi-generational household, like being together as a family was always a big thing, but I didn't really take into account a lot of the effects of colonialism in my own family that, I, that I'm that i still trying to learn about today. So um, my grandfather on my mom's side, he this is all the Filipino side, he served in the Philippine army. He was a lieutenant, he was the... Lieutenant Colonel in the Subic Bay Naval Base, which is now retired um, since I think 1992. He was also a reserve colonel in the U.S. Army. So I guess coming from a military sort of background that kind of tied into a lot of the ways in which my, like my mom raised me, like she kind of raised me to, to stand up for what I believe in. And you got to be tough. You can't really show your emotion. But I think in talking about like the effects of the United States colonizing the Philippines, there's still a lot that I want to know about that. Like, because my grandpa has been in the military since he got out of high school. And so there are a lot of historical things in which um, he, he probably was a part of, I can probably imply that he was a part of it, like the, like the Marcos regime, but there's, but I don't know anything about that because it's not something that we normally talk about in our family. It's just kind of like something that's shut out because it's just like, we're here in Hawaii. So why does it matter? (laughs) So there's a lot of things that I want to learn about um, just the, just how it's affected my family personally, as well as the population as a whole. And I think from what I from what I put down a year ago, I knew that I wanted to learn more about the Ilocano and Visayan cultures because um, I know that my family only spoke Tagalog. But I did find out um, that I did take a 23andMe test. And just by talking to my family members, my grandmother is actually from, or not from the Ilocos region, but has family that originated there. And so it was really a testament to figure out that wow I how how can I identify myself as a Pinay when there are so many different aspects of the Filipino regions and the culture that it it can be overlooked when you think about it because it's just like I also have the 23 mirrors all stand I have I have ancestry in um the Visayan regions too, and something that I really didn't know about. But yeah, and knowing that my grandmother was the only one in my family now that knows how to speak Ilocano, that just that is kind of a big testament to um, how much that I really didn't know about myself. And I, 
like even today as being part of Kasama Hanko and like working with the team, I really hope that throughout this journey, I can figure out a lot more about my family in the sense that I can't just call myself Pinay and then just put that identity in a box. Like it's not something that I can, it's not something that I can just reduce to one aspect of my identity. It's really a culmination of experiences and values and the way that my family has raised me to be, as well as a lot of the life experiences of being in Hawaii and being around other Filipinos that have influenced me to be the person I am today. So there's still a lot more that I'm learning and it's a work in progress. I think that when you sharing that, it it really does come a long way back from the very first time that I met you and from now that getting to know all of these topics and issues that's been happening within the Filipino community like there is a lot and it's okay to uh, it's okay to kind of not know everything because like like how we kind of like went with this is that there is a lot um, there is a lot of information there is a lot of just reflecting after finding out the things in our culture because it's very traumatizing to the point where when you when you find out about it when you learn about it you're gonna ask yourself really that's that's what happened with my culture really um and i remember the very first time that we had conversation um, we were doing a post together and i think you were kind of um, you felt really ashamed, especially with the Chinese and the Filipino side of you. Um, the Chinese did have a really huge influence on the Filipinos. And it's it's that uh, really taking the time to understand that there there has been things in our past, but we we will not run away from it. We will try to acknowledge it and see what we can learn from it so that when we move on forward we're able to teach this generation yes this is what happened but i'm telling you don't run away um and also don't succumb to it find ways in being able to just hear out the stories hear out their mistakes so that we don't make the same mistakes in our future yes definitely and i feel that with you saying like how a lot of these different identities may conflict with one another like of course me being a chinese filipino american has a lot of contradictions in itself as well but um, i think that what you said about not running away from your 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 understanding of your heritage is just it's just something i wish that we didn't have to be ashamed of because it's just like I wasn't asked to be born the way that I am and if I just continue to run away from it then what exactly am I gonna understand about myself and my family so I think acknowledging the I think acknowledging the significance of all of these historical events as well as acknowledging that it's kind of a different it's things are kind of different today but these events may be manifesting themselves in the future or in the present. It really shows how much we need to keep ourselves updated on the things that are happening back in our motherland 
as well as figuring out ways that we can contribute because even with the opportunities that we have now, me being in Hawaii, it's it's still something that I continue to strive for, being able to go, being able to contribute to the heritage and the community that I was raised exactly. in. And I think going going more with with the question itself, I think it's gonna shed some layers as we kind of like dive deeper into your cultural narrative. And with that, and I think you briefly mentioned from the things that you want to know more about your culture is first and foremost, have you personally struggled with truly embracing your culture? I think identity? the simple answer to that is. Of course, <laughs> I think I think a big aspect of it um, to being mixed and what we mentioned before about the significance of like the Chinese and what they had to the Filipinos and what um, and what American colonization has done um, to the Philippines, which shouldn't be called the Philippines. I think navigating with a quite a few different identities. I didn't really notice that. I had to even focus on understanding my cultural identity until I went off to college. So um, I went to college in University of Washington in on the Seattle campus. And I think that was really the time when I felt like a minority in that sense. And um, I, I remember a statistic saying that out of, out of all like 30,000 undergraduate students there were only 500 Filipinos on campus by the time that I was going there and so this was back in 2019 so um, I did transfer out of the college um, just because of COVID and financial reasons but I guess like when I actually had the opportunity to, to when I actually had the opportunity to go back home I think that was really when I began to um, engage in discussions like what does it mean to be Filipino because I didn't really I didn't really know what it was like to live in a world where it felt like it didn't matter um, so um, I think of, I think going back to my childhood I think being mixed and going alongside or going through assimilation, like cultural assimilation alongside my parents did bring a lot of acculturative stress to them. I can really tell. So I think at one point I refused to, I refused to learn Tagalog as a kid. I don't know why, but I think they would try to teach me and I would just kind of try to shut it out. But I think that kind of came along with me going to school in Hawaii, being a very shy kid. I was super shy to anyone who, anyone who went to school with me um, for a very long time and I and I felt that part of it was the fact that when I first went to kindergarten it was just a completely it was a completely new experience to what I was used to growing up like um, I actually have the story of when I um, of like the first time that I had a hot dog in a hot dog bun. And I think of this all that's, I, and I think of this because it's just like, of course you would normally eat it like you would a sandwich, but with 
the short side, like you would, you would eat it lengthwise, and then you would go through the hot dog lengthwise. But me, I think it was my first or second day of kindergarten when I finally started to be comfortable with not being home. I ate it like I didn't know how you would eat it, so I ate it instead of I ate it the other way, where it was like. I was holding the two sides and eating it in the middle, like, like splitting the hot dog in half. And that wasn't until another, like, that was, and I was just doing that until the classmate next to me told me how the correct way to eat a hot dog, and it was just kind of a funny story to me because growing up, I never really ate hot dog in a bun. It was just always with rice. Everything that I ate was with rice, and so、um, I think I didn't realize how. I didn't realize that, in a sense, that kind of made me different from everyone else.、Um, and it wasn't in a very, it wasn't in a very obvious way. But anyone who saw me eating a hot dog the wrong way just kind of probably knew that. Hey, I don't think she knows how to eat a hot dog. <laughs> I don't think she knows how to eat finger food. <laughs> so,、um, so a lot. So, I think it kind of gave me a glimpse of what it was like to be outside of my household.、Um, but, and plus, I was—I feel like—I feel like at home, my parents really spoiled me, especially with having a multi-generational household, having my grandma and grandpa and uncle, my sister, and both of my parents in the house as a kid,、um, just because. We had an abundance of food all the time. It was just, and the thing with my parents is that it doesn't really matter what time of the year it was. If we, if we just felt like, if they just felt like eating pancit, they would have pancit. Like it wasn't really, like it didn't really feel like it was reserved for a special occasion because like every day was a special occasion to us. Because I think food was really the one thing that. I remember from my own heritage and just the change in that, or just that little change in that on that day in kindergarten and the days beyond, when you're just having like you know the cafeteria food was、um, a really big eye opener to me as to、um, like like why like where's the adobo <laughs> and I I think at one point I did feel ashamed of bringing home lunch and. I don't think I ever felt that until a few, like a few years, or I didn't really feel that until I actually went to school. And in a way, it did get me out of my shell. But at the same time, I kind of felt a little more reserved in expressing myself in that sense. So fast forward to fast forward to a lot later. Um, in my journey, so、um, when I was in high school,、um, when I was in middle school and high school, my parents had had gone into kind of a messy divorce. But now, but that kind of trickled into high school, a lot of drama and conflict. But now, but I think now that they're in a civil place, I feel like I'm in the right headspace to talk about it. So,、um, so、um, when My when I started to have, it's okay. 
It's okay. So, um, so I believe it was in 2015 when um, my the same year my parents got divorced and that my mom married um, my stepdad and I had my stepbrother who was Native American Sicilian and the and my stepbrother is Native American Sicilian and Filipino. So um, I think I think having some I think having like family members that were pretty much living with me that were part white that changed that really changed the whole household dynamic quite a lot. Um, so um, for a while, I was living with my dad, but visiting my mom once in a while, um, visiting my mom on weekends, and and I think that that introduced me to a whole lot of different perspectives. Um, so when I was with, whenever I was with my mom on the weekends and was introduced to my stepdad, um, I felt like I felt not necessarily in a bad way saying, okay, not necessarily in a good or bad way, but I felt like a little less restricted in what I was able to do and not do. So, um, for example, my dad wouldn't let me wear white tennis shoes because they would get dirty growing up. But, um, but with them, I had a lot more freedom and I'm not exactly sure what it was about that ha that gave me those freedoms, but, um, but again, not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. It's, it was just like a different environment, not growing up in the multi-generational, or not growing up with my, like it was different not having my grandparents in the house and like having, or like feeling like I needed to be somewhat responsible for them in person in a way. Um, I used to, I think I kind of grew up at a young age when it came to like trying to learn how to take care of the family and deal with my emotions um, because I felt, I also felt that I, I also felt that I had more freedom in terms of me expressing myself in terms of just my emotional health because with, when um, I think growing up, like I, I had responsibilities like helping out my sis or doing my sisters or helping out the chores that my sister would probably do if she was able to. Um, for context, my sister has cerebral palsy, developmental disabilities, but I love her to death. And she has, um, and she's also been a really big part as to what, as to why I grew up to be the bigger but younger sister. <laughs> and also like having my grandpa in the house, like feeding him. And um, I felt like in a way I was kind of, like I was really grateful to have those experiences with them and experiences with them and just giving back to them in that sense. Not having them there in the house though was a really a difficult transition, but I feel like um, in that sense, I had I had a lot more freedom in ex in expressing my emotions to them. So I think that was a good thing. Um, and a year later, in 2016, um, my my dad got married to my stepmom, 
who is from the Philippines. Can you hear me still? Okay. Okay, so in 2015, my stepmom, my stepmom and my stepbrother came from Cavite in the Philippines. Uh, and they came to live with us for the first time. It was just kind of, it was just kind of like a day, um, like one day we we're just living in the same house, the next day they're married. And so it was like a lot of different changes happened throughout the year as well as just me being in me being in my adolescent years. <laughs> but um, I think I think um, having I think navigating like having my stepdad and their family and having my stepmom and her family like and me navigating two different households that were pretty opposite in that sense was really kind of the turning point for I, I think it was kind of the turning point for me realizing that oh like the like the way that I grew up as a kid wasn't isn't the way that I like isn't the way that I feel like I'm gonna raise my kids in the future there's a lot of I think there were like even though there are a lot of good in the way in the things that I grew up with I can acknowledge that there were some pretty toxic traits that I hope to I hope to acknowledge and not pass on to my children one day or when I become an educator, uh, not pass on to them as well. No, you're <laughs> good. Um, there was some points where um, I know when it comes to the really, really like telling our stories, like we really go back and there's just so much to like cover, but it's a part of our journey and it's part of like just the way we're storytelling. It really helps um, get to know our our kind of like bridge and like trying to really walk with where we came from to like where we are now and like yes. just hearing you and like just hearing your story especially um you have gone and experienced through a lot and i think that really helps shape you with the way you perceive things and i think that's really crucial when it comes to um teaching especially and I know that you are aspiring to be not also an educator but being one of being a pharmacy pharmacist like it's really relating to your patients and this is one of them like really understanding and getting to know their stories because that's how we treat someone and that's how we find the correct diagnosis yes no definitely um, I feel that I, I'll go that I'll go into this a little later, but <laughs> that's yeah. definitely some yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, definitely that's definitely something that I want to bring to my patients as well. Okay, so having a step family or having two step families, one that was um, not really not really the way that I was used to growing up, and then one that was like very Filipino family centered. It I think having I think living with those two different perspectives it really opened my eyes to the fact that there are many different values that I can take away from those different families. I am just really grateful for how I was brought up, even though I wouldn't say it was ideal, but like, I'm just really happy to be a product of both my parents and my step-parent parents and my sister and just all of the people that have pretty much shaped my own values, both good and bad. So now I feel like I am trying to go head on with 
understanding my cultural identity. Um, when I was when I was in college up in Washington, I started teaching myself Tagalog, which it's I'm very rusty now because I haven't practiced in a while. Um, but I've I still try to do that. I try to teach my boyfriend Filipino words of the day, <laughs> um, and and I think just really being part of Kasamahan Ko. It was just a really big turning point for me in helping me understand this cultural identity that I am a part of. Like, but all sides of it the good, the bad, the not Filipino, the Filipino, the American, all of that. So um, I, I feel like I still struggle, but not as much. Part of what you shared is something that you will continue to have. Sorry. Part of what you have shared is something that is making of you and making your narrative. And I think that's where it's really powerful in the sense is being brought up in two different families with your mom and your dad and coming to this, um, I guess, realization that there is things that there are so many lessons that come with the people that you meet and the people that you are with and being filipino and having to be also mixed is one thing that we sometimes take for granted because a lot of the times when we hear people say um and ask um are you filipino and many will not even take into consideration that Filipinos have been influenced by so many different um, peop- um, countries out there that being mixed I feel like we should continue we should normalize that because we don't know where we came from unless we really like as what you said we really go into our own genealogy genealogy roots um, and really take the time to understand that there are there 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 will be limitations um, where we don't have um, the access to having that resource of knowing where our family came from but taking that one step of just learning where what language our family speak. Yes, definitely. Yes, and to add on to what you said about like normalize and talk about like, being mixed identity, I feel like I, that can go beyond the scope of just different ethnicities. Just understanding that within your own nation, within the Philippines itself, there are a bunch of different ways we can consider not purely something, if that makes sense. Like, there's so many different aspects, or like, there's so many different regions of the Philippines, like, 7,000 islands. How can you, how can you classify that into a single country and be like, yep, this is, this is what I am. I'm the same as the person next to me. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I feel like normalizing talking about your identity in terms of like learning about the places that you came from, understanding your history, understanding the not just your history, but the history of your ancestors and the people that were that may have been um, that may have been that may have 
that may have been affected from colonization and war and all of these different factors. But yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Of course. And one thing that I would like to add is how do you see yourself? Well, I see my cultural heritage as really a bridge to both my ancestral past and my future. Um, I feel like I feel like now it's something that I need to acknowledge. Uh, I feel like it's something that I need to acknowledge, which is that I'm a product of colonization, and that doesn't necessarily mean my individual actions affect. Or, like that doesn't mean my action that my individual actions to blame for the way that my the way that my family was brought up or the way that our nation is no that's nothing like that i feel like it's when we actually initiate these conversations within our own community it feels like a lot of what i i, f- I feel like the limited perspective that i had may be taken Uh, may like may be seen as invalid or taken for granted by my or taken for granted by others in my community just because of me being mixed or me being not me not being in the Philippines and it's I think even though I am a product of colonization it's it doesn't mean that everything I do is inherently bad it just means that I need to I need to acknowledge that a part of this family history exists. If my ancestors had any had any part in it, then it's definitely not something that I can I should take the blame for. But also use it as a bridge to learn a lot of other things about my own history that I probably wouldn't have even questioned. That I wouldn't have questioned if I wasn't actively doing research and taking the time to go back, really process these parts of my heritage that are so fundamental to who I am, yet don't define my future. We, like trying to like echo on your words on and on. One of the things that I, I guess I wanted to echo is like what you wrote. I guess this question that I had is, what did you mean when you said a paradox? So I spoke about this in a video project that I did for for my English class a, a few years ago but so I had to do something other than just writing a paper so I could have done a poster video um powerpoint whatever but I decided to do a video like a video slideshow if that made sense but um I did my time doing the voiceover and I think that was really the first time that I started characterizing the different aspects of my identity. I think at the same time that I was characterizing it, I was compartmentalizing it into boxes that I felt weren't enough to describe me as an individual. Because if you think second generation Chinese, Filipino, American, well, there's a bunch of different layers to that already. And a first generation college student. Uh, But of course, it's important to acknowledge that the experiences of being a second-generation Chinese, Filipino, American, and first-generation college student look completely different for every individual that that encounters these, or for every individual that identifies as part of or all of it. So I won't have the same experiences as other second-generation. I won't have the same experiences as Filipino-Americans in Hawaii versus 
the mainland or the experiences of someone that would consider themselves pure Filipino and me who has 60% Filipino and 40% Chinese. But I think, I think at the same, I think the paradox in all of that was that once you characterize yourself as a specific ethnicity, you're talking about it in relation to other people. I am second generation in relation to my family members who were first generation, they immigrated here. Or I am Filipino-American because I'm not fully Filipino, yet I'm not, I wouldn't classify myself as fully American either. And I think that the big thing about me identifying my cultural heritage as just that is that um, I feel like once you bring up those, I feel like once I've brought up those terms when I was doing that English project, I just kind of started thinking about the stereotypes that that I would normally think about when I think of, oh, Chinese Filipino. They probably used a, like, they're probably very well off in the Philippines or, um, oh, I'm an Asian American. That's like, so you don't really fit into the classification. I wish that I could just characterize myself as these different parts of my identity without without making it seem like I that I have the same experience as other Filipino Americans. If that I hope that makes sense, but that's basically what I meant when I said it was that my cultural heritage was. Well, thank a you for sharing. And the only reason why I wanted to ask because like when I was going over and reading through your your answers is like one thing that stood out was this paradox that you mentioned and something that is not really talk a lot of something that just like gave me this um, question is like um, what did you mean by it and like if it kind of relates to what you previously have mentioned before and I think like if you have the time and capacity like I would want to like watch it but uh, moving on to the next question would be what does it mean to reclaim our Filipino identity? A lot of why I'm part of Kasamahan Nicole was because I really wanted to channel into the side of my identity that I never really felt like was important to talk about growing up in, in a predominantly Filipino community and it's just and to reclaim, it doesn't mean that anything was lost. It just means that it's something that I need to recognize as a part of me, even though it was always there. So I feel like for me, a big part of it was developing my own values through that my family has passed down, but at the same time, acknowledge that some parts I may not feel like would be beneficial to the future generations to pass down like the toxicity the the stigmatizing mental health not expressing your feelings or having to be tough it's just even though we have a lot of momentous events that we can celebrate just as just by identifying as a pinoy pinay we need to acknowledge that yes we are all connected the superficial things like i think when you dive deeper into what being Filipino is all about. We are just more than people that like to cook good food or sing or have all of these different skills that make us smart and talented and successful. It just really ties back to how can we give back to the communities that have raised us? How can we speak with 
the voices of the people that may not have the same privileges that we do. Like especially all the things that are going on in the Philippines right now. And just knowing families there as well, it just even makes it even more important to just stay updated and keep in touch with them. It's just as Filipinos, we are all connected in a much deeper way than than the first things we would think about when we say that, oh, I'm Filipino. Once we learn to accept Filipino as not just being smart, successful, talented, but courageous, yet vulnerable, smart, yet curious to learn more. But that doesn't have to be financially successful or achieving the so-called American dream. Raising your family, giving back to your community, making a difference. It's, I think those are the fundamental values that I strive to pass on. Giving back to my own community, I feel like I'm reclaiming my identity, my Filipino identity. That was very well said. And I think like picking points in like what you brought up, especially because you brought up a lot of great points. And one question that you said that I want to echo is your second question of how can we speak to the voices of the people that make us the same purpose as we did, especially with what's going on with the Philippines. One of the things that we as the diasporic people living here in the diaspora is we don't we feel sometimes disconnected by what's happening back home in the mother motherland because one we never visited the homeland so we don't have that experience of what's going on and to Everything is very hidden when it comes to pop culture, um, especially within the Filipino entertainment in America, in, in America itself. Like they don't really showcase what's going on in the Philippines. So that is also one of the barriers. So we, we are very um, oblivious to what's happening without us actually taking the initiative to go move forward. And I think you're right. I think it is how are we giving back? How are we bridging this gap? How are we using the knowledge that we know now when we learn about our culture to really um, keep this momentum going? We'll keep it continuing. Yes, definitely. And I think that when we actually take the time to use our own personal platforms, not not talking not just talking about social media, but just to really connect with the people back home in the motherland. It just, I think also listening to their perspectives and learning about what we can take away from them. It's just, I, I hope that we can eventually bridge that gap. I really want to visit my, like, I really hope that in the near future, because I haven't seen my family in over 10 years, that uh, I could go, that I could go back to the Philippines and, just be able to have these kinds of conversations with them about what's about what's been happening and what they feel that we need to do and and just really internalizing the part of my Filipino heritage that I that is so that is just so rich family-centered and so full of life. Truly indeed. And I think 
when it comes to what you said, when it comes to reclaiming your Filipino identifying, like what you just said, um, really echoing is, uh, I love the three, the, the three points that you brought up, especially what it means is to develop, to accept, and to listen. And I think that is what we continue to strive for. And I think that is, has been the pattern for many of the stories that we hear on Kasamahan Ko is that's the journeys that they're in. And um, it's really finding that one outlet that will allow them to really share their stories. And like for you as well, like sharing your story, like there's so much that we can learn Thank from. You. <laughs> Thank you for giving me this platform to share my story. On is, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? I'd say let's kind of, instead of flash forwarding to the next 10 years, I'm just going to start the next two years. So I was very fortunate. I recently got accepted into the early acceptance program for the Daniel K. Noy College of Pharmacy at Hilo, which is a pretty exciting um, path that I'm going to take. After fulfilling all of the prerequisites, filling out the farm cast and doing the interview and whatnot, doing all the formal um, application stuff, I have a seat in the last 2027 um, college of pharmacy class so that's going to be pretty exciting um, I'm really excited to start this program we have the opportunity to talk with my with my academic advisor for the program so next two years I'll also be graduating from University of Hawaii Manoa, be getting a bachelor of science in molecular bioscience and biotechnology minor in public health I swear that's a mouthful to say so every time someone asks me for my major I'm just like oh I'm just I'm pre-pharmacy it's, it's a lot easier to say that, but I feel like no matter what I, what path I pursue, I really want to incorporate a lot of the things that I've learned in public health, especially with the current situation that we're in, being exposed to different community health, change in addressing health disparities that we see in our own communities, and essentially being part of that change in Hawaii as well. So let's fast forward to after I graduate from pharmacy school. Um, I hope to start working in a community pharmacy that probably be in like six years or so, <laughs> but um, I really want to get engaged in the retail pharmacy just so I could figure out where, or just so I could really see what, what I can implement or I can really get a firsthand what community health issues are very relevant in Hawaii, more specifically in the in the rural communities, um, since I'll be in Hilo, but I've also grown up on the island of Kauai. Um, I'm living in Wailua homesteads, uh, but just but just um, hopefully in in like five, six years or so, I'll know how to I'll know what I can do to give back to those communities as well as as well as like not just focus on like the medication part of it, but also just like complementary therapies, like all of the other things that are, that my Asian parents have told me to take, like my herbal supplements and my vitamins and all of that. So um, apply my cultural competency and put it in good use. Um, and then in the next 10 years, I hope to, for context, I've been with my boyfriend for like one and a half years. So Hopefully starting a family at that time and, you know, just the typical, just the typical things that 
you that I would want to grow. I want to just grow old and teach my children the value of um, staying connected with your family and adhering to your and never compromising your values and figuring out the importance of being Filipino and mixed race and living in Hawaii with a bunch of cultural, like with a bunch of cultural identities. So in the next 10 years, I hope to be raising a family with a stable career, but we'll see how that goes. Yes, (laughs) and truly, um, this is five to 10 years, so anything can change. Like what we said, like I asked you if to do this interview like a year ago and see where where we are now, like things has changed and maybe who knows maybe you will like start a start it in a nationwide maybe there, there's a reason why you said it on X. yeah you said I also it. forgot to mention that I hope to go into clinical pharmacy so eventually after working in retail I I actually do want to work in the hospital you know, it's a lot more specialized there especially with the kinds of medications that they have it's very closed formulary or it is a closed formulary so I hope that at the same time, I also forgot to mention that um, there's this um, special needs fellowship group that my sister's a part of. I'm, I'm a part of it too. I help out every month and I really feel that has really shaped the way in which I've seen that I've seen the world in terms of like making sure things are accessible to our disability community, finding a space where we can all get connected. So I, eventually hope to take over that fellowship one day. It's called ABLE Special Needs Outreach. And I've been in it since I was eight years old. So a really big part of my life. And I hope, and it's very faith-based, but I hope that I will have the opportunity to give back to the community that has taught me so much about compassion and acting and loving one another for who just really embracing our identities and our abilities too so I forgot to mention that but that was like one of the big things that I wanted to bring up because like as I mentioned before my sister has, has had a really big impact and I think that your sister is quite lucky to have a sister like you um, especially looking out for her and like with the passion that you have with your community and just everything in between she has a lot to look up to and like um yeah and I think being more going down in the more sentimental route is what is one advice that you would tell your younger siblings especially if they found your podcast and one of the questions that they ask is um ate manang why did you do this or why did you start being involved with our Filipino culture and identity and especially because you are a mixed heritage mm-hmm. um, and if if they ever ha- ask you um, what made you so interested in learning about your when own I was in Seattle and considered the minority in that sense um, one of my closest friends is actually uh, was born and raised Filipino or was born in the Philippines, moved to the United States at a young age in Washington and has lived there for his entire, has lived here, has lived in Washington for quite a longer time or quite a long time. And 
I definitely know that we both have had many different had I've had many different experiences growing up. Like he didn't have any recollection of the of the language, even though even though I think his parents speak Tagalog, um, but he doesn't. I don't think he grew up speaking the language, and whatever he did learn until he moved was kind of lost because he grew up in a predominantly white community. And I think that I think that when whenever we would have those late night conversations, there's so many things that I know that you don't, and there's so many things that you know that I don't. And it just it's a lot of the way in which we perceive the world is crafted by our own experience. And so my advice to the next generation would be go beyond what's taught at school and in your home. Don't just listen. To, don't just listen blindly to what people say. What your teachers or your parents will say without actually doing a little bit of research, like on your own time. And just I think this goes for a lot of things, not just Filipino identity. But the simplest way that I could put it, is you have the power to craft your own understanding of the world. The world is in your hands. It's so cheesy, but it's pretty much very true. I think once you do spark that curiosity. And really dive into how you perceive the world and what you understand. Take that time to bring it back to your root. For me, it's the island of Kauai. So I do hope to come back, pretty much start my life there, so I could teach my kids the values that they are, the values that I want to see them grow up with. On a much broader sense, it's I see myself as an agent of public health of change. If I if I should say that, that yes, I need to have a purpose in the things that I do, but. If you feel like you have to live your life with every decision you make going in a certain direction, I feel like you're going to miss out on a lot of different things that are in the world that you could be exploring. So take the time to explore different things. I didn't think I would be into agriculture, but I'm doing my own research project. I didn't think that I would ever pursue anything into anything in music, but I do see that as part of my future somehow a lot of different paths that we can take it's not just a linear path or no matter how much society tries to ingrain that on us so definitely take your time and move steadily in trying to figure out what direction your life should be in and as you're doing that some moments for yourself to realize all the great things that the world's given us and from then on i believe that you can craft your understanding of the world truly was a beautiful way to put out there and i think that was one really great way to kind of tie in that message and it really fit in really well because with everything that we're learning right now there are some things that needs to be questioned there's some things that needs to be relearned and rechallenged. and I feel like we journey along with this world that we live in it's really important that we use our voices to step up ask those questions necessary and being able to um be in these spaces because I know a lot of the spaces and a lot of the institutions that we are in, it's very predominantly white. And one of the things that we are always called to do in, and we are always back with our community is really, really willing to use our voices to, to fight and also acknowledge that there are some things that are not right. Those are some things that we want to correct. Yes, I definitely and... agree with that. I think 
that there are a lot of things that we can unlearn, a lot of things that we've probably learned in the schools that we grew up in. I think unlearning is, unlearning is a very gradual process, I should say. It's easier said than done, but I think trying to get rid of that mentality that we, that we are incapable of accomplishing something. Again, we are only human and our perspectives may change over time. We may learn a lot of different things. We may unlearn a lot of different things. It's just a lot of figuring out where your place is in those different, those different categories, yet being open to all of the different perspectives that and we hear. With that said, I just want to say thank you for your time, for being, as, for being here with us today and for really sharing your own journey and your own narrative. And I feel like as we continue to work alongside being here in Kasama Hanko and also being able to interact with many of those listening out there, um, there's will be a lot of things to learn. And it's it's not going to be easy. Um, there's so much that we will go through. And I think part of that journey is to really being able to come together with each other and like that's what our name is for and that's why we are called Kasamohan it's like we're not in this journey alone um half of the times our entire identity is made as a construct so it's something that always will always change similar to our personality ability to build a community just through all of the different personal struggles that we may go to go through and just knowing that even if we don't have the same exact experiences, we still share some sort of universal. Uh, we, share, we still share some form of solidarity and unity just because of the fact that we are just that we are, be noise, be nice, trying to navigate the world together, trying to figure out how to navigate these institutions that we're in our own families and ourselves in terms of our own health and well-being. I really wish the best for Kasama Hanko. I'm super excited for the future projects that we have and really trying to bridge the gap um, between us in the diaspora and in the motherland, as well as finding our place within the societies we live in. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate doing this interview <laughs> after like a year. I, yeah, it's been a year, over a year. It has since, been a year. <laughs> yeah, since you reached into my DMs and asked me, hey, you want to do this podcast? I was like, ah. But I, I really appreciate it. It's, it was a really big turning point for me, just being part of Kasama Hanko as well. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yes, exactly. And I feel like that's always the start of it all. There's just so much identity exploration and identity building that we continue continue get back up there. This is your floor to give a little shout out to anyone. I also want to thank Eric Barrera, my loving significant other, who lets me teach him. We tell him really bad dad jokes and Filipino words of the day. I hope that you're not tired of me yet. <laughs> and I think I think I also want to thank my like all the friends that I've met at both University of Washington and UH went a really difficult journey navigating through college throughout the pandemic and I just really wanted to take the time to thank you for just 
being there, being part of my journey. That to everyone at Kasama Han Kol, to all of you listeners, thank you so much for for giving me a platform to express and embrace my cultural identity and accept and acknowledge both the good and the not so good. Really try to cultivate that into something beautiful. So, I really want to thank you. Definitely hope to speak more with you soon. Yes, and yes, there is so much more out there, and I feel like we're only getting started. And with that further said, thank you for listening.